particularly in Judaism, the Jewish approach, the Jewish way to life, nothing is to be taken for granted. We don't do anything by default. We don't do anything just because that's what we do. Everything has purpose, meaning, and intention. Um, and, uh, and the same is true with education. So education is not to be taken for granted and it's not just, well, no duh, you have to educate your children if you want them to know what to do, right? Um, there is an actual commandment in Judaism to educate your children and a, and a large emphasis is put on education in Judaism. And one of the places where we read about that and learn about that is right here in this week's Torah portion. We have the verse here, you should teach them to your children to speak of them when you sit in your house, when you go on your way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Now, if that, if that verse seems familiar to you, it's because it is taken from the Shema, the, uh, the second portion uh, of the Shema that we say every single day, at least twice a day, um, we're, we're commanded to, to read that portion of Shema. So I want to talk about um, specific elements of, of education or one main point of education um, that I think is really important. And I talk about it also from a personal perspective, um, not so much in my family's life, but in things that I've uh, sort of, I guess you could say observed over the years in, uh, in my work here, uh, here in Binghamton, um, which we'll get to in a little bit later on. In 1977, in 1977, um, as many people would, would come to visit with the Rebbe, people at private audiences, people at private meetings, very, you know, whenever they had a chance, that for many years until about 1975, three nights a week, the Rebbe would uh, have private audiences with anyone who wanted to meet with the Rebbe, and how much more so dignitaries, rabbis, people of influence from all walks of life. And um, in one particular, uh, at, at one particular time, one particular evening, one of the Hasidic rabbis um, from Jerusalem, the Ger Hasidic branch, um, the, the, at the time, the Ger Rebbe's son was in New York and, uh, and he came to meet with the Rebbe. Today, he is actually the current Rebbe of the Hasidic group of Ger, which is a large, large group in Israel. Um, they're, they're also involved politically in Israel. They have, uh, they have several members that are members of the Israeli uh, government, of, of the Israeli um, Knesset, of the Israeli, uh, not the parliament, but uh, the, the Knesset. Um, and he came to me with the Rebbe, not as a Rebbe, but as a son of the current Rebbe. And the Rebbe encouraged him at the time to try to influence his disciples, the Ger Hasidim, his disciples in Israel, to take some time, take a few years out of their life, essentially, and go and travel to less observant and underserved communities throughout Israel. And the Rebbe said he has a hundred communities like this, a hundred communities that fall into this criteria that could really use someone with knowledge 
and uh, with a passion for Judaism to come and teach and 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 uh, and and and, sh- and not just teach them, but but hopefully show them by way of a living example. And the Rebbe uh, told him that he encouraged him to do this, and he said that he also thinks that this will help uh, help address the the rift that we all know of that exists in Israel between the secular, quote-unquote, although in the Rebbe's book, no Jew is secular, so to speak, we're all equal, um, but the, the quote-unquote, as, as, as it's called, the secular, the less observant Jews and the more observant Jews, and there's this ongoing feud for years about how the, the, those who serve in the army feel like those who are not serving in the army are not contributing to the society, and they respond and they say, well, we're studying Torah. That's our contribution to the society. And it's, a, it's an ongoing feud in it. In recent, the last five, six years, it's, it's gotten a lot um, more contentious. And the Rebbe felt that if his, he would impress upon his disciples to go to these cities throughout Israel and sort of dedicate their service and with the, and they would leave the comfort of their observant communities and neighborhoods and go to these communities and they would be there with the intent of inspiring and influencing uh, the other Jewish people there, the other Israelis, other inhabitants essentially, that that would go a long way to, to, to address this uh, feeling amongst a lot of people in Israel. Unfortunately, it didn't end up happening, um, but in uh, that vein, that's just one little example of, of, of this idea of education that we want to talk about tonight um, that the Rebbe was trying to impress upon them. And uh, this takes us to a, uh, a piece of Talmud that we're going to focus on tonight about a individual named Rabbi Chia. And Rabbi Chia was a very special individual, and the, for, for, the, for the following reason, and let's get right to the source. Reish Lakish was de- de- demar- demarcating, if, uh, if you want to help me read that better, please go, go ahead, the burial caves of the sages. When he arrived at Rabbi Chia's cave, the exact location of his grave eluded him. Reish Lakish became distressed. He said, Master of the universe, did I not analyze the Torah like Rabbi Chia? A divine voice emerged and said to him, you analyze the Torah like him, but you did not disseminate Torah like him. When Rabbi Hanina and Rabbi Chia would debate Torah, Rabbi Hanina would say to Rabbi Chia, you debate with me. If heaven forbid the Torah were forgotten from Israel, I would restore it with my power of analysis. Rabbi Chia said to Rabbi Hanina, you debate with me? I ensure that the Torah will not be forgotten by the Jewish people. What do I do? I sow flax seeds, twine nets with the flax, hunt deer and feed their meat to orphans. Next, I prepare parchment from their hides and write the five books of Torah on them. I go to a city and teach five children the five books, one book per child, and I teach six children the six orders of the Mishnah. And I say to them, until I return, read each other the Torah and teach each other the Mishnah. This is how I act to ensure that the Torah will not be forgotten by the Jewish people. Indeed, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi said, Rabbi Yehuda, just to say, was the leader, was the the chief rabbi of, of of the 
Talmudic sages at the time, and Rabbi Yehuda Anasi said, how great are the deeds of Rabbi Chia. Now, what, what seems to be interesting about this, it, other than the fact that it's, it's, it's very powerful, but, um, but what, uh, I want to say two things. Uh, the, the, one side point, uh, uh, as a side point, and then the main point. The side point is I just want to say that obviously when we see these two Talmudic sages that are talking to each other and they're saying, I am responsible for the, the depth of the Torah, analyzing Torah, and I am responsible for the sustaining of Torah, they are not having a conversation and boasting about their greatness, so to speak. These are people of a very, very high stature and, uh, and not to say that they don't make mistakes, but in this context of these kinds of conversations, at least the way I understand it, the way I interpret these kinds of conversations, they, the Torah and the, the continuity of Torah is something very dear to them, very personal to them. And so it's not really as much about them and them promoting themselves as much as them trying to express and, uh, and, and share and hopefully impact on what is needed to be done and what is the importance of Torah. And that's really what they're talking about. They're not trying to promote themselves. This is not a political rally where they're trying to uh, promote their agenda. They're not running for office. They're not running for, they're, they're, they're more, they look at themselves as being totally dedicated to the promotion and perpetuating uh, perpetuation of the Torah. And therefore when they talk about it, it's in that context. But I think the biggest uh, thing that, that, that sticks out here is we have to understand what is this business of Rabbi Chia going and spending time uh, going to make these nets and capturing the deers and then, and then creating these Torah scrolls. I mean, I can understand him going to learn the Torah and teach the Torah, but is that really the best usage of this great, tremendous Torah scholar's time to go spend this time capturing the deer and, and spending all this time. And the Rebbe spoke about this and addressed this precise question with a very powerful lesson. And we'll read the words of the Rebbe. This is from a talk from, uh, from 1982. Rebbe Chia made the effort to teach young children himself. He did not suffice with dispatching his students of which he had plenty. After all, the Talmud says numerous times it was taught in the yeshiva of Rebbe Chia. Moreover, he personally hunted deer to fashion the parchment upon which he would write the five books of the Torah. With regard to the actual teaching, it makes sense that he preferred to teach the children himself instead of sending his students. But to hunt deer, to fashion parchment for the scrolls, he no doubt could have sent his students to do it. Nonetheless, he made the personal effort to hunt the deer, etc., to demonstrate the great and vital importance of educating Jewish children. When Rabbi Chia taught the children, he immediately instructed them to teach each other. Each of the five students was tasked with teaching his book of the Torah to the others. And each of the six was responsible to teach his volume of the Mishnah. In other words, from the very outset of the study, Rabbi Chia taught them to be lamplighters. This was especially Rabbi Chia. He didn't suffice with learning Torah from Rabbi Yehuda and even being the compiler of the brightest, the brightest, the Hebrew word for different um, Torah passages, study Torah, uh, Talmudic passages. He personally went to the field 
to hunt deer for the skin upon which to write the five books of the Torah to teach to the children. In this regard, Rabbi Yudah says, how great are the works of Chia. From Rabbi Chia's behavior, we learn about the correct approach to spreading Torah. The Talmud said, you do not disseminate Torah like him, indicating that he is the paragon of someone who spreads Torah. He teaches us to engage with all levels of students, even those on the lowest possible level. We need to engage even with those who study Torah for all the wrong reasons, unlike those who teach only those who rise in their honor while ignoring the rest. We need to teach Torah, Chumash, and Mishnah, even to those who had no previous connection to Torah learning. Furthermore, the Hebrew word for disseminating Torah harbatza is associated with the word tarbitza, which means garden. A garden is a place of pleasure and delight. In other words, we must engage with others in a way of love and closeness, and obviously not the opposite with anger, God forbid. Indeed, as we mentioned earlier, the Tosfos emphasizes that the entire Talmud ends on a positive and uplifting note. So what is the point here? The point, one of the, one of the points to me, I think, is this idea that Rabbi Chia felt it important to himself personally involve himself in going and getting those deer and creating the parchments and being physically involved. And perhaps that is the greatness and the depth of his impact the impression that that had on the students. That they, the fact that he would come and teach them, they were expecting that. Maybe that didn't, 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 didn't have as much of an impact on them because that's what rabbis do. And that's what they were expecting. And they had a dime a dozen rabbis that, that would teach them Torah in amazing ways. But here, this is not about acquiring knowledge. This is about impression. This is about impact. This is about a deep, profound impact on people that you are trying to impress something upon them. And perhaps the reason why Rabbi Chia is, is coined in that way and is given such praise was because he, he went down and got his hands dirty and personally himself went and busied himself with every last detail. And perhaps that was what had the greatest influence. And I said in the beginning that I speak from a personal place because um, thank God we've had the opportunity to, to connect with so many people over the years here through Chabad. And that's just the 13 years that I'm here. I mean, I grew up here, but the 13 years that I'm formerly working here, my parents, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, close to 37 years on their end. Um, and I must say that when I, if I, if I were to, and I, I don't, but if I were to think about it, if I were to formally make statistics or analyze it, but definitely in my mind, I, you know, it's human. You see people, you interact with all sorts of people and you get to know them and their families. And there's no question to me in my mind that the greatest, um, the greatest impact that I have seen that students coming through Binghamton, those that Judaism means something to them, that they are ready to give something for it, that they'll make time in their schedule to celebrate the holidays, to celebrate Shabbat, uh, to, to, to come to be involved in programs and studying and, 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 in, and in getting their other friends involved. Almost all the time, it's not because of the high school that they went, not because of the yeshiva school that they went, not because of a camp that they went to, 
And to be honest, even though uh, the, the, the gap year in Israel, the yeshiva year in Israel is very, very popular and it's amazing and it's very inspiring. But for that, but I found that for that to be lasting, for that to be long lasting beyond the first few months after the students come back from that year in Israel, it really boils down to what the children, what these students saw in their parents. And, and, and it wasn't about the knowledge that their parents had in Judaism. It wasn't about, it's not so much about if their parents were more knowledgeable or less knowledgeable. The greatest impact that was that had on them, the greatest impression was when they saw in the actions of their parents that the Judaism and that Torah and their Jewish identity and their connection to God meant something. And when that was expressed and displayed, by physical action that those parents or grandparents in some cases took. And that had the biggest impact on those students. So when we talk about best kept secrets of Judaism and education, it's a very simple concept. There's nothing profound about it, but it's funny because you meet people all the time and uh, you know, private education is always more expensive and people are investing a lot of money and they're saving money and they're paying a lot of money for their kids to go to these yeshiva schools, which obviously, obviously I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, not condoning going to yeshiva school. I'm not condemning it. Obviously that's, that's, that's the best education, but it really, the emphasis at equally, if not more important needs to be put on how am I expressing my care and connection with Judaism in a way that will impact my 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 children and my family, and to take a to take a lesson from Rabbi Chia that it wasn't beyond him to get involved and to personally busy himself, even though he was this great scholar. God should bless us to be able to always, um, you know, live with this, live live with these ideas, and uh, and and ourselves strengthen our connection and hopefully impact others in a positive way. Thank you for joining. Good to see you. And thank uh, you, Ralph. You're welcome. Amen. Thank you.